The cancer journey is unique for everyone. It's time to figure out our new normal, and there's no one-size-fits-all manual. Welcome to Unspoken Cancer Truths with Jen Cochran, because surviving is just the beginning. Welcome to episode 49 of Unspoken Cancer Truths. I'm your host, Jen Cochran. Last week, I was talking about the difference between wishes and goals where I shared a couple of my goals for 2021. And one of those goals is to spend time on my yoga mat every day and as part of that time, spend a portion on meditation. A couple of years ago, I started meditating with a small group once a week. And it was part guided meditation and part silent meditation. And that was a really great way to get started. Then the pandemic hit and our meetings got put on hold as a lot of Well, most of the in-person meetings did. And then last fall, I discovered Mindfulness Daily, which is a 40-day bite-sized mindfulness program created by Jack Kornfield and Tara Brock. And as a cancer survivor, I've become very aware of the benefits of mindfulness in my daily life, especially when facing routine tests that now have a less routine feeling. So I was thinking as we move into 2021 that others may be having some of these same feelings and feeling scanxiety and different things like that as it comes up. And also with the extended pandemic, mindfulness becomes even more important as a tool to help us with our day to day. So I'm really, really excited to introduce my guest today, Camille Kennard. And she's a licensed clinical social worker, a certified health and wellness coach, and the founder of Flourish Wellness Consulting. Camille can best be described as a self-care specialist. She has a passion for helping stressed out, busy people make themselves a priority. And can't we all use a little bit more of that? I know for sure. I think most of us can say yes with both hands raised in the air. Camille helps individuals to be resilient to stress by learning and practicing the skills of mindfulness in health. She received her master's degree in social work from the University of Utah, coaching certification through Well Coaches School of Coaching. She's currently studying with Jack Kornfield and Tara Brock in their mindfulness meditation teacher training and enjoys helping people experience the benefits of mindfulness in daily life. And I'm so excited for all the insight that she has to share with you today. So welcome, Camille. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to see you again. It is so good to see you. I actually, um, Camille's podcast was the first podcast that I was ever interviewed on. So we've known one another for a few years now. Yes. And it's been a fun journey. It has indeed. It has indeed. So... I would love to just dive into this topic of establishing a meditation practice and creating space for stillness. I think that's something so challenging for people in this busy, busy, over-informed, shall we say, world. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Constant clicks and social media, always on our phone, coming up something, yeah. And with you and I were talking about this before we got started, how when the pandemic hit, like there's, it's so great to be able to 
be on Zoom and connect with people and see people that way. But there's also a component of that that puts us on our screens more and and connects us more to the more to technology as opposed to less. So that's a balancing act as well, I think. For sure. So let's just dive in here with what would you say is meditation and kind of what are the high level benefits? Yeah, so that's a good question. A lot of people have been asking me about that. Um, So meditation really is about just having a focus and there's different types of meditation, spiritual meditation, you may have heard of transcendental meditation. And what I study is mindfulness meditation. So the type of meditation that I study and I teach is actually to help people focus on the present moment. So a lot of times our minds are in the past, what we could have, should have, or would have done, or in the future, the what ifs, what if this happens, what if that happens, and Mindfulness meditation really just helps us to be in the present, to be actually where we are right now through our, through anchoring to our breath, to our body, to our five senses. Um, and that's, it seems really simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> and that's what I find is people just don't know where to start. Um, and so a lot of times I just talk to people about even five minutes a day and we can do formal and informal meditation. So informal would be something like the way you eat. If you just take a moment to eat your food without the TV on, without reading, just smelling and tasting the crunch and everything about the food, that would be an informal meditation you could do. Um, There's also the formal where you're sitting in kind of a, you could either be in a chair or you could be on a cushion and you have a straight spine. And we talk about kind of going inward. You can close your eyes and you can do a meditation that way. But really, I want people to realize it's not as difficult as it seems to start a meditation practice. And you t- asked about the benefits. There's so many benefits. And there's, you guys, mindfulness, I know, is a big buzzword out there. And you've probably all either seen a magazine or some kind of an article about it. But it has been really well researched to help people with things like chronic pain, um, stress, you know, the immune system. It boosts our immune system. It helps improve our attention and our focus helps us get better sleep, help decrease cortisol thinning, which is that aging process. So there's a lot of benefits, also some psychological benefits, like being more aware of our thoughts, being able to shift our attention from one thing to another, which I think of as like cognitive flexibility, being able to be non-reactive to those emotional triggers that we sometimes have. Um, It decreases that that rumination. You know, I kind of think of it like the hamster on the wheel that we get into. It also helps us to learn how to non-judgmentally be aware of our thoughts, our body sensations, and our emotions from moment to moment. So those are some of the things that I try to help people see is that there's a lot of benefits to doing it. And it's almost like you're investing in yourself because when you do a mindfulness practice, it actually gives back to you. I love that. A couple of things that came up for me as you were sharing those. One of the informal ways that I tend to bring meditation in that I guess I don't even consider anymore is in dog walking. Mm-hmm. When I'm dog walking without an iPod and I'm just it's just me and the dogs and we're observing our environment and see looking at the wildlife that's around and my dogs just sniffing and they are always like just so present in their 
current moment. They're not thinking like, oh, well, when I get back from my walk, I'm going to have <laughs> dinner. Or I'm going to take yeah. a nap or like. <laughs> yeah. Animals and children are very present in the moment. If we watch them, we will see what presence is about. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. The one of the other things that you had mentioned as well was the non-judgment. And I, there's definitely something that I see and have experienced myself as a breast cancer survivor who had a bilateral mastectomy. There are different like pain things that will happen. And oftentimes pain can be associated with fear or potential for recurrence. And how often people will comment that they're having, you know, some kind of chronic pain issue and is this normal? Are other people experiencing this? And my encouragement is always to get curious about, is this following a cycle? Like, is it all the time? Is it some of the time? Is it the day before it rains? Like, it's a beautiful sunny day, but it really has to do with tomorrow's rain. And when we get curious and start to really notice, well, what is this sensation? And what is this thing happening? we can start to kind of break it down and make it less scary. And when it starts to make more sense, then we can process it a little bit better. Yeah, that's a a big thing, I think. And I've worked a lot with people with chronic pain and different issues that way is sometimes we get caught in a story about pain, right? That it's going to get worse so that it's going to, we kind of, our mind wants to go to that negativity bias, of the worst thing that could happen. And so when we can instigate it, like you were talking about, we can step back and say, what am I believing right now? You know, and what's going on? What's maybe the deeper meaning underneath this or the deeper thing that's going on with that helps us um, in mindfulness, they talk about non-attachment, right? Not being attached to our emotions or to an outcome. And so it helps us kind of gain some space. If that makes sense, kind of some spaciousness around our thoughts so that they don't feel like they take over, that we're able to kind of allow it to um, go background, kind of dissolve into the background and then bringing ourselves back to what we actually are experiencing in the moment. Absolutely. And I, I think that that's so important in so many contexts um, and definitely in when it comes to pain. And I've seen that in the massage. I've seen it in movement modalities where someone has an injury and then they come into the studio because they're wanting to rehab from their injury and they're feeling like they're ready. And then the blocks are the idea that pain could happen again. And it's not even that there's actual pain happening. It's that like, well, I can't move in that way because I moved in that way and I had extreme pain. So even though now, but when we get curious and we start to break it down and then try, we find out like, oh, that's a little twingy, but that's not really pain. Okay, I can go start sleeping in my bed again because I've been sleeping in a chair because lying down was painful and I didn't want to lay down so I haven't tried and when we are able to get 
curious and be in the moment of, well, what, how do things feel right now? We get kind of more into our body Mm -hmm. as opposed to being in our head space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a big part of what mindfulness is. It's just connecting to the body, the breath in the moment. Um, and it's, it's not easy to get out of the conditioning we have. Our conditioned mind says, oh, no, un- this comfort, I've got to say this pain or that I need to push it away or, you know, we want to resist it. And I love that John Kabat-Zinn, who is one of the fathers of mindfulness-based stress reduction, he said, pain times resistance equals suffering. So when we can step back and not resist so much, and like you said, get curious or really kind of investigate what's going on that takes away that we call it the second arrow the first arrow is is the whatever's creating the pain but the second arrow meaning we make out of it or that we can't get over it or that it's too much or we can't handle it right and so if we can take back that second part that secondary pain that second arrow then we can approach it and respond rather than being reactive in our situation with pain and it's a practice. It's something that tomorrow you're going to wake up and be like, oh, I have no pain. And people still experience pain, but it's changing your relationship to the pain. Yeah. So noticing it, allowing it to be there without getting caught into a story about what it needs to do, like it needs to go away or this is too much or those kinds of stories we kind of get caught into. Yeah. And not in any way to kind of diminish pain because we absolutely have situations and you know pain has a has a role has the definitely has a role to um just like fear has a role pain and emotions have a role to kind of help us um explore what's going on and investigate that yes it's information right (laughs) it is it is it's information and i as I was working on putting my TED talk together, I had this whole like thought around a day is half, half day and half night. Right. And our emotions are the same. Like we're not always like happy and upbeat. There's a place for sadness. There's a place for all the spectrum. Like there's a whole spectrum of emotions and, and we're meant to feel all the full spectrum and even if social media or other like information or entertainment modalities may indicate something different (laughs) so true and we're caught up sometimes in one emotion that we just kind of keep believing the story like fear is probably a big one right now online and so I, I love what you said about emotion. I think it's, it's information. I talk to my clients about riding the waves of emotion that we could have fear moment and the next moment that fear could be gone and we could feel joy. Same thing with pain. The pain may be biting or very direct at one point that may also be more subtle at another point. And if we can explore that, you know, exploring it, noticing it's there, like the emotion and the pain, recognizing it's giving us some information that we can explore and seeing the edges of the emotion or the edges of the pain, you know, what would it look like 
if I stepped back from the pain for a minute and I focused on my breath, what would that be like? Or if I focused on my body and what I'm hearing, smelling, feeling, all of that. So it's it's kind of a, it's hard for us in our culture because we want everything to be in a box. Like, okay, you do A and B and then you get C. And it's more myst- mystical, right? Yes. <laughs> it's mystery. It's a mystery that we're kind of exploring. And so having that open-mindedness, I love that you said that when you first started practicing meditation, that it was like a curious child. What, what might this do? And what if I tried this, right? Or what might be going on? It's really being that curious uh, without judgment, without saying this is good or bad wanted or unwanted and just allowing ourselves to open up to the mystery and the curiosity. And the interesting thing is that when we do that, it does improve our health and well-being. We do become more present. We do feel more of those um, those emotions that are that are the positive, not that we don't notice that we also have negative. I think it's sometimes in our culture we're taught to get rid of the negative. And only think about the positive, which really is what is not what mindfulness is about. It's about noticing everything, all that's happening. Yeah. Moment to moment. I think that as you had said, like noticing and having it all be information, like sometimes, uh, and I always equate it to like the running trail, like a bad day on the running trail isn't really a bad day. It's just information. Like, was it really hot or was it really cold and you weren't wearing quite the right clothes or you didn't have quite the right nutrition or you didn't have quite the right hydration? Like it's all information for the next time you're in those circumstances to be better. And on a great day, I almost think the challenging days are the ones that we tend to examine more than the great days where the great days are Mm -hmm. also information like, ooh, what stars aligned for me to be faster and feel better and like what's happening with that? Mm -hmm. Like the what went well and what was challenged, like they're all information and they all inform us to learn. And I think we've gotten away. We've gotten away as a society from like failure being good. Yeah, trying things out and seeing what happens, right? Yeah, sometimes we take take things really personal. And mindfulness does help us to stop that conditioning or to step back, I shouldn't say stop, but to step back from that conditioning, and not to take things so personally. Yes. It's it was really interesting to me when I started my meditation practice as well because I was in a small group um with three or four other ladies depending on the week and everyone has a little bit different component to their practice and that was really interesting to see like some people were very visual in what they were seeing and experiencing and I experienced that differently and I would see more colors and which also was like, then I started getting curious about that. Like, hmm, is this just the light in the room behind my eyes? Or <laughs> mm-hmm. is it, and then I started to notice like, oh, no, I actually there is color. I am seeing different colors. And like it was, it was very interesting because everyone was so different. And people would share and So it was really interesting to see that process kind of expand 
and to see the differences and really just appreciate them as how different people's mind's eye kind of consumed the experience that we were having. And that was really an interesting thing because then there was it was really much easier to kind of release that judgment of what should this look like because I think we also have a little bit of attachment to am I doing it right yeah and that is one of the hard things when people start a practice it's like you know it's not like riding a bike where if you get on and you and you push your pedals that's riding a bike right this is this is a little bit like I said more mystery and and it's really personal. And like you said, people experience different things depending on their own background and their own experience. So it's something you can like practice, try out, see what you think. That's what I ask my I, clients. I just say, what about if you just looked at this as a science experiment? You just try it out for a few days and see what you notice. The good, the hard, the things you notice, whatever it is, you know, what's going on inside of your mind. A lot of times people tell me, when they start a meditation practice, and I know I noticed this when I first started meditating, is you just start to notice the habits of your mind, the way you think, which is kind of eye-opening sometimes. Like I started noticing that I beat myself up a lot, that I told myself shoulds. (laughs) So it's just kind of interesting, again, without judging it, just noticing, oh, these are my mind habits. I, I catastrophize, or I think in black and white, or you know, it could be something like, oh, I think really positively, um, or this kind of person affects me in this way, you know. So it's really interesting to just start to investigate and notice as, a, as if we're a witness to our thoughts, right? We're witnessing what's happening. Yes. So one of the things you mentioned earlier was this idea of an anchor. And I know as I have been going through um, mindfulness daily, I like how they, there's different focuses for different meditations. Um, and they're all bite size and, and pretty easy, quick to consume. Um, but they, the initial is kind of to have the breath as an anchor. And I, as I was moving through, like there were different options, like to have your body as an anchor or your hands or your feet or so could you talk a little bit about that idea of the anchor and ways to navigate how to find your anchors sure so um the anchor i think it's an interesting term right that it like the boat it would settle the boat and keep it in one place and I don't know that our anchor is quite as secure as an anchor on a boat, but it is something that we can keep going back to when we notice the mind wandering. You know, a lot of people tell me, well, my mind wanders all the time. I don't think I can do meditation, you know? And I said, oh, well, you're human then because that's what the mind does. That's what everyone's mind does is it wanders, it judges, it plans, it goes into all these stories. So really the anchor just brings us back to the present, right? So the breath is one that's used a lot because it's with us no matter where we go. But for some people, the breath, you know, there's, they can have some connection with some trauma or something associated with the breath that the breath doesn't work for them. So the body is another one noticing any sensations that are in the body, 
as well as any of your five senses. So mindfulness of sound, you could just allow sound to come into your awareness. So you hear the the heater coming on or the dryer or, you know, a bird outside, you know, it could be sound or it could be just the feeling of, you said, groundedness, your feet on the ground, your bottom in the chair, your back, and really noticing that it's kind of foreign to us because we don't spend time in our bodies. <laughs> uh, we're thinking in our heads a lot. And so it's really bringing yourself back to the body in any way that you can in that focus. But I think the five senses, the body and the breath are usually the ones that are most used for people. Um, like, again, my mind is wandering, oh, coming back to noticing my feet on the ground, each toe and what it feels like. So just those kinds of things. It's a practice where you keep bringing it back again and again when it wanders. And I think just like we were talking about earlier, it's an experiment. Try out different anchors, see what works for you. You know, last night I did a a self-compassion practice. And for some reason, my breath, I was, it was not, it was disturbing to me for some reason. And so I went back to my body um, and I, I really went back to all the sensations I could feel in my body, my knees, my legs, my head, my just really noticing kind of almost scanning the body and allowing the body to be what brought me back. Um, And it was a compassion practice. So I also put my hand on my heart. And so I could feel the pressure of the hand, my hand on my heart. And I could also feel the warmth of my hand on my heart. So again, that's that sensory uh, feeling of connecting with the body. So I think you just experiment with it, try different things out, see what, what works for you. Um, Like I say, this is something that is a practice and maybe something might work for a while and then you might want to shift it to something else and that's okay. And you can do different types of, of mindfulness meditation where you focus on different aspects of what, what anchors you back to the present. But again, just like if we're eating our delicious dinner, we can be anchored back. You know, if the mind goes, Oh, what do I need? I think I need to do laundry tonight before tomorrow. We can come back to, oh, what am I smelling in my food? Or what is the crunch like when I taste, right? It's again, coming back to the actual experience, what it smells like, what it tastes like, what it feels like, all of that in the moment. That's fantastic. I love that. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Neil and I are going to continue this exploration of mindfulness. So stay with us. We will be right back. I hope you're enjoying Unspoken Cancer Truths. I help people to get moving again, and sometimes you just need to switch up the approach or find a new challenge, especially when thinking about starting back after treatment or an illness. One of my goals is to help you flip the idea of exercise as something that's hard, awful, or daunting, and make it something fun, maybe even a little social. Safely, of course. The important thing is that you want to get started and you're happy to show up for yourself and then you want to stay in the game because it feels good to move and you had fun doing it. Ready to reimagine exercise? You can email me at jennifer at fitnessdesignsolutions.com or schedule a coffee chat with me through the Facebook group, Surviving is Just the Beginning. Now back to the show. We're back. I'm here with Camille Kennard, and we are talking about meditation and mindfulness. And we're going to actually go through a practice here in a few minutes. But before we do that, I wanted to have you share a little bit about cultivating a practice. 
um, some of the, the ways in which we can do that. That sounds good. So I think of the word cultivating, it's kind of like if you're going to grow a garden, you start cultivating it, right? You kind of start digging the dirt and getting it ready for planting. So think of cultivating as it's just something you're, you're putting a little of love into a little bit of time into a little bit of, of your presence into. So for cultivating a practice, it's as simple as setting aside time every day, you know, that you're going to practice and it can be as little as five minutes or as much as 20 or 30 minutes, depending on your situation. But the biggest thing is just finding a place that you can go each time so that your brain gets used to this is where I go for meditation. And you'll start to notice that as you sit down, whether it's on a cushion or in a chair, your brain starts knowing, okay, this is the place that we go to to meditate. So finding time, um, a good location, um, and then and then just continuing with it each day, you know, for a lot of us, it's about habits, right? These healthy habits can get into. So whether it's okay, I do this right before I brush my teeth. For me, it's right when I after I make my bed, then going and doing my meditation for a few minutes. So connecting it to something you're already doing. So that's a reminder um, to do that. But then being also curious and kind and compassionate to yourself. So if you miss a day, that's okay just like getting back on and allowing yourself to, you know, give yourself some compassion in those moments. So I think that's, that's, what's really important is just finding a space, figuring how long you can do it for, and then going to the same place each time. Excellent. Excellent. So Camille is going to now walk us through a meditation. So we'll get to experience We'll get to experience some meditation here. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you so much. So the first thing is to recognize that this is a formal meditation. So again, we have a specific posture that we use. And that's a straight spine. Sometimes they call it as if you're a key on your throne. We want it to be where you're comfortable and you're alert. And you can either do that sitting in a chair or cross-legged on the floor Um, Just whatever feels comfortable to you. So again, allowing yourself to get into a position that you can be in for a few minutes where you feel comfortable. And then you can either close your eyes or you can just have a soft gaze looking down a few feet in front of you on the in front of you on the floor. And then bringing your awareness to your body sitting here. Noticing where your body makes contact with the floor, your toes, your legs, the contact it makes with the chair or the support beneath you. Just noticing the weight of gravity on the body. Allowing whatever came before this or whatever's coming next to just dissolve into the background and bringing your attention to your body sitting here now. Noticing the movement of the body as you breathe, your shoulders, your chest, your abdomen. No need to go anywhere, do anything. Simply being here now.
And then gently moving your attention to your breath. Noticing the movement of your body as you breathe in and breathe out. Maybe noticing where you feel the breath the most. If it's in your nostrils or your chest. So allowing yourself to rest in the breath. And when you notice mind wanders into a thought or a worry or a story, just gently guiding it back, guiding it back to your body, noticing where your body makes contact with the support beneath it. And again, noticing the breath. The breath is always with us to anchor us to the present moment. And then we're going to move into a practice called the RAIN practice. And this is a practice that helps us in working with difficult emotions. So maybe anxieties around your health or about what's happening in the world right now or some uncertainty that you're feeling. I'm going to just guide you through the steps that you can use in your daily life. Help you be more aware of these difficult emotions. The first part is the R to recognize. So again, recognizing what's happening in this moment. That's bringing in that mindfulness. Recognizing and feeling pain or uncertainty or anxiety. And just allowing yourself to recognize and label what's here for you right now. And then moving to the A of allowing. Allowing it to be here. Maybe you can imagine it sitting beside you, the pain or the anxiety without needing to push it away or change it in any way, simply allowing it to be here without getting caught into a story about it or needing to change it, just allowing it. And then moving into the eye of investigate. And this is where you get to explore what's happening, maybe what the deeper meaning is of anxiety. Is it a feeling of a loss of control, fear, a story about the what-ifs of what could happen? 
something connected to the past. Just investigating with curiosity this pain or this anxiety. What is it trying to tell you? And then moving to the end of nurturing. What does that part of you need right now? Maybe it needs reassurance. It's all going to be okay. Or it needs to be validated that it's there. Exploring how you can nurture this part of yourself without holding on to the emotion or identifying yourself by the emotion. Simply nurturing what is that part of you needs in this moment. Simply allowing yourself to notice what's here for you right now. Noticing any changes or shifts in your attention, in your feelings, even in sensations in the body. Just making note of what's here now. Knowing that at any time when you're feeling difficult emotions, uncertainty, or anxiety, that you can practice RAIN, recognizing, allowing, investigating, and nurturing. Being present with whatever is there inside of you or outside of you. And opening your awareness to the sound of the bell. Whenever it feels good, gently opening your eyes, moving your body if that feels good, taking a few slow breaths, stepping back into the rest of your day. Thank you. That was fantastic. Thank you. No, I definitely will be listening back to that. And I was actually thinking um, we may be able to pull that out and have it as a resource on the episode page. If that's okay with you? That would be great. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. We will uh, 
we'll investigate how to do that. So I'd really love to just touch really quickly on kind of using this mindfulness in daily life. I, I love the practice that you shared, the, the four steps of, of rain. I think that makes it so accessible to apply when we start to notice. Cause I think the more aware, the more awareness and mindfulness we're able to draw in, the more we become aware of things that and are able to kind of short circuit and recognize, oh, I'm I'm gonna step away from this thing and kind of examine it in a different way. And maybe be able to process through it in a in a faster manner. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about like the formal and informal practices of of mindfulness in daily life. Sure. I think it's a lot like anything that we want to do. If I wanted to drink water or move my body more, really, it's just believing that it's possible is the first thing. (laughs) And then making a space for it, like we talked about with having a place every day, a time of day, an amount of time you're going to do. And you can also, that that would be the formal practice. If you decide you're going to start a formal meditation practice, you know, setting aside that time, you could listen to guided meditations. There's several guided meditations on different apps like Insight Timer or Headbase or some of those different apps. But also just in your day life, uh, it's a lot of slowing down and noticing, right? Yeah. So the RAIN practice is for work with difficult emotions. There's also a which you can just do in the moment when you notice that there's something that maybe triggered you to get out of the present and you're somewhere else. So the S is stopping. The T is to take a breath. Breathing can actually bring us back to the present really easy. And then the O is observing again what's happening inside of me and outside of me. And after we take that, then proceeding. So the stop practice, the rain practice, even doing a five-minute breathing space or a one-minute breathing space where you just take a moment to come back into the present. Uh, A lot of my clients love the five senses thing where they just notice what I'm smelling right now. What does it feel like to have my body touching what it's touching, the hearing what they're hearing, you know, seeing what they're seeing around them. So just taking a moment to really come back into the body through the five senses. That's something that I use a lot with my clients. So the day, it's just a matter of being aware and trying something out. So these are little, little bite-sized things that you can try out the way you eat your food, as I mentioned, or the way you walk, like you said, maybe turning, doing something a bit different where you turn off a radio or what you would usually listen to and you just allow yourself to be present. And it might be comfortable because we're kind of used to chaos and things constantly going. So allowing yourself to kind of work through that it might be uncomfortable the first bit when you try it. And it could be that you take a few minutes when you do transitions, when you get up from your computer, when you go to the bathroom. Um, Maybe if you're in a work setting, you could do it as a work thing where you all take five minutes before the day starts to have a mindful moment. 
there's a lot of different ways you can just practically make it a part of, of your life. And again, just try one thing. Just try one thing for a while and see how it goes. Um, again, it's just something to to keep trying and to keep practicing. And also just noticing what are the benefits of it? What are you noticing as you take five minutes to breathe before that phone call that might be really stressful, right? For me, I before this podcast, I sat and I did a few minutes because I knew um, sometimes speaking public it can be right. That's a big, that's a big one for people. So yeah. So trying to do anything you can. And, and again, w- sometimes we don't do well in our goals because we set things that are possible. So even if it's, yeah. I'm going to eat more mindfully one meal a week and I'm going to sit and meditate for five minutes, three days a week or something like that. Something that, you know, you'll be able to do. Cause then you feel like, Oh, you know, and there's more momentum when you can see some, some success in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that specificity and being able to say five minutes, three days a week, like making it time bound and putting specificity around, around it as a goal is really helpful in actually being able to meet those goals. So I love both of those practices, the RAIN practice and the STOP practice. I We were laughing before we got started today because I wanted to attach my Ethernet cable so that our sound, like technology, just in case my, you know, my Wi-Fi was a little bit wonky. I wanted to take that out of the equation and I had to pull the cable like from the other side of my house and it was all tangled and... Camille was here waiting and I was like, I started to be like, oh my goodness, why? Why is this so challenging? And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to take a breath. Yep. It's only going to take a second and it's going to actually take longer if I'm completely freaking out. So like just taking that breath and kind of I, I started laughing because just that awareness coming in is nice to notice like you start to notice the benefits of where you can kind of short circuit the silliness the reactivity that we get into which we all do and we can pay attention to when our mind is distracted right with whether it's we're scrolling through our social media feed or we notice that we're really caught up in in an emotion it's noticing when that's happening when we left the present moment Yes. And sometimes it's nice to just schedule time away from your phone. Like I put mine down usually around eight or nine at night and I don't look at it again. Um, and that is like, it's kind of a nice gift you can give yourself to just technology free times where you're just focusing on being your body and being present. Yes, I think that is so important. And it can be really beneficial for sleep as well. When sure. we take that separation from the screens and that can really have a a tremendous impact. Yeah, that's a huge one. Yeah, the quality of our sleep can really be improved and it's it's amazing again that curiosity if that's a if that's an area that you find challenging getting curious about. Adding in and taking things away and seeing the benefits. 
So thank you so, so much. This was so incredibly valuable. And I just, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And it's so fun to be with someone who you have the same kind of passions for health and well-being. So, and helping people, you know, so thank you. Yes, I always love spending time with you. We need to do this more often. For sure. So thank you so much, Camille. I, again, I so appreciate you. And I'm really excited for uh, to find out from everyone what your feedback is and how you experienced the meditation and um, and what that felt like. So that concludes our episode for today, but I would love for you to come on over to the Facebook page, Surviving is Just the Beginning. Join the community and you can look for the coffee chat post to schedule some time on my calendar for us to chat if that's something that you would like to do. Sometimes having a sounding board can spark some new ideas for sure. And Camille is also in the group, so you can chat with her as well. So thank you for listening and have a fabulous week. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Take care.